Do you ever get the feeling that things need to change if you are to make any progress in your life? Remodeling is tough, whether it is a house or a life. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. You may see the need to make some changes and not be sure about what steps to take. Well, you can rest assured that God not only knows, He's working to make you more like Jesus, and He always finishes what He starts, unlike the rest of us. Got any unfinished projects sitting around? Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. But first, if you're listening to Run With Horses on Revelation Radio, I have news for you. Beginning November 4th, we have a new time and day along with some format changes. We go to the new one-hour format on Saturday, November 4th at our new time, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. So starting in November, look for us at revelationradio.net every Saturday night at 6.30 p.m. for an hour-long show. The hour-long format will make it easier to fit in guest interviews and a few other things that we've been wanting to do but find difficult to cram into that shorter 30-minute format. The longer format will also make it easier for us to find syndication options. So if you happen to be a radio uh, station owner, you can contact me at norman at runwithhorses.net if you're interested in having Run With Horses on your station. And for those of you who listen to the podcast... Yes, you will get that same one-hour format as well. So where were we? Oh, yes. Unfinished projects. Well, I think it's incredibly appropriate that we're talking about remodeling our life and unfinished projects, and I am sitting in a half-finished room as I record this show today. I have been working on a office slash studio slash workroom slash space that I need to do things that need to be done for a long time, it seems. And I'm finally halfway done, or maybe a little closer than that. We're getting very close. We're working on it. So thanks for those of you who have known and have been praying for us. Thank you very much for uh, Pastor Gittens in Chatfield, Minnesota, for coming and putting up some walls for me. Greatly appreciate that. This may be a temporary time of life for me, but it's still space is important to do the things that you need to do. So thank you guys for praying. And those of you who know where we are, we certainly appreciate your prayers. Well, some people like change and thrive in chaos. I don't know where I fall. I'd like change sometimes, some kinds of change, chaos, not so much. But I don't just detest all change all the time. There are people who hate all change all the time and fight it with every breath that they take. (laughs) Well, like it or hate it, change is necessary and it's a part of life. I mean, you just don't go through life without change. You know, often I I give horticultural illustrations on this show because my background is in horticulture. And if you think about a plant, or you can go bigger than that and think about a forest or a field, in many aspects, there are many different ways you can see out this uh, change that happens over time. So a plant begins as a seed and it becomes a sprout. 
and it puts out roots and it puts out those first little uh, leaves and then it begins to grow a, a stem and more leaves and it changes, it grows, it seeks the light, the roots seek the nutrients and moisture that it needs. Over time, it becomes, you know, a little bigger plant. And then as the, maybe the seasons change or as it matures, it depends on whether it's an annual or a perennial, whether it lives one year or many years, eventually it reaches its maturity and begins to produce flowers. And then it ultimately should produce fruit. And in the fruit would be the seeds and that start of another life. And throughout that, pl- that plant's life, you see this long progression of change. It's not the same over time. It, it needs to change to be uh, mature and to accomplish its purpose. And I think that's an important concept when we think about change in our life. You may fight it. You may not like it all. But ultimately, if you are to accomplish God's purpose for your life, you will need to change. It's necessary. You know, when you accept Jesus as Savior, that does take care of an eternal problem that you have, but it doesn't make you instantly better. It doesn't make you instantly like Jesus. Uh, it should change some things. And then others, there is a, a progressive part of sanctification. So, you know, often I use that word. When you accept Jesus, on that day you receive the righteousness of Christ. It is applied to your account. God no longer sees you as an enemy, but He sees you as family. He sees you as a friend. You're accepted because of the righteousness of Christ, and that is sanctification based on Jesus, and it's a position that you hold. However, (laughs) as many people have experienced, if you're saved from a rough background, a rough lifestyle, a life where you were really aggressively uh, against God in your lifestyle, what you find is everything doesn't change overnight. Some things do, and that's great. Often, I think the Holy Spirit gives us some help to make those quick changes that we need to, but we usually find that there are still struggles. If you had issues with anger, you may still have those. Some people don't. It depends on the person, what their issues are that go into the future. But you usually have a few things that follow you into your Christian life that are still a struggle, that still need to change. So if we don't change, if we don't pursue Christ-likeness, we see these old habits, old patterns, they follow us and they continue to, to drag us down. I think Paul, you know, he's often addressing this where we need to pursue godliness, pursue righteousness. We need to pursue Christ-likeness. There's an, an element of this process that God wants us to be actively involved in. I, it's interesting. I don't know why he chose to do it that way, because certainly he could have just took away all those desires to, uh, to sin, to follow the flesh, but he didn't choose to do it that way. He chooses to leave us with some of those. And I think part of the reason, personally, this is my opinion, (laughs) that we are left with some of those because that ongoing struggle reminds us constantly that I was saved through Christ and I live today through Christ. I didn't save myself. That position that I hold having the righteousness of Christ. I didn't earn that. I didn't work for that. I didn't get that because I'm a great person. 
I got that because God is gracious and he did a work, but he did that. And then today I face struggles. I face sin in my life. I place, face places where I'm resisting God. I need God. I need Christ just as much today as I do did the day I got saved. And I will need him tomorrow just as much. Without changing, I will never be like Jesus. And without that daily reminder that I need him, I will always be tempted to turn to myself and try to do things myself or try to just be good on my own. But this ongoing struggle really forces us to come to grips with the truth that we need Jesus every day. With that being true, why is it so stinking hard for us to accept the need for change? Well, I think change is hard for many reasons. One of them is because we get comfortable. We get distracted. You know, there are so many things that are going on in the world, in our life, at work, in our family. And some of them are things that drive us to God. But some things we're kind of comfortable with. You get to know a a certain rhythm of life and you understand and and kind of have expectations of what the day is going to be like and how the week's going to be. And some people hate that and their life is terrible and they want change and that's what drives them to Christ. But some people... They reach a place where they, they have enough finances to make it. They're not starving. They have a shelter that they're at least satisfied with. And their routine of life becomes exactly that. It becomes routine. They get distracted by pursuing entertainment and things that will satisfy them today. So we get comfortable. And that keeps us from desiring greater change in our life, because change is always a little uncomfortable. It always makes us uh, a little bit uncertain. So we don't like that. So we prefer to allow ourselves to be distracted by the, the things that the world offers. And you can couple that with the second reason why it's so hard for us to change is we're basically lazy. <laughs> I think that's true of almost everybody. You know, a lot of us, uh, even though There are a large group of people, and I'm one of them, that would maybe tinge toward overwork and saying yes too often, doing too much. At heart, I'm basically lazy. I want it to be comfortable. I want to help people, but I don't really want it to be too hard for me. You know, I want to be busy and do something worthwhile, but not all the time. You know, I I do uh, tend to look for that that easy path, and I think most of us are basically lazy and intentionally pursuing change is not comfortable, and it requires some effort. And I think we have to keep coming back to that idea of intentional. I have to be intentional in pursuing Christ-likeness. And if I'm comfortable, I'm not going to do that. If I'm lazy, then I'm probably going to struggle a little bit. There's another reason. Often, we think about the change that needs to happen, and we're a little bit uncertain about what exactly is going to happen if I make these changes. So it's scary, What happens if I really pursue God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I have to give up something that's gonna I'm gonna miss, or am I gonna have to get on a jet and fly halfway around the world? I I don't know what's gonna happen. It's scary. So a lot of us, rather than face that unknown, 
we kind of give in to our natural laziness and bent towards seeking comfort anyway and just say, well, I'm just, I'm not ready for that. Maybe when I'm more mature, maybe when I've grown a little more. So we don't make any changes. We don't get started. Other people, they, they actually do want to start. They have some desire to change. They recognize the need, but they're unsure about where to begin. So it's another unknown, but the unknown is, well, how do I do that? What are the steps? What's the first step? What's the second step? What's the 23rd step? Do I know that one? And because the path is maybe not perfectly clear for their life, there's a general path, and we often talk about that here, but for you specifically, where does that path lead? What's that going to look like? Well, that depends on you and God. So there's a little uncertainty about where to begin and what those next steps are going to be. So because the unknown, again, is scary, not just for where it's going to lead me, but even for what the process looks like, it can mean that we stagnate and don't make any changes. We're not sure where we're going to end up, how to get there. The unknown is just scary. And then there's also, because we're lazy, comfortable, unknown, scary, we just look at the whole thing, (laughs) the whole process, and say, it's just too hard. It's overwhelming. (laughs) And some people are overwhelmed by everything. So that is a default for many people. For others, it's, it's not a default, but it does seem like a bigger project. You know, there's not a clear step-by-step manual for my life. I think God's Word does give, a, uh, give us a pretty good manual for what this looks like and how to do it. And it, it's not meant to be so hard. You're meant to trust God that His plan is good, that He has good intentions, and that He will honor His promises to you. But people look at it and go, oh, it just seems so hard. There's so many parts to it. <laughs> well, yes. There is a place to understand that what Jesus calls us to is a difficult life. It's not the easiest possible life. But I don't know that it's the hardest possible either. Either For most of us, there are places where the Christian life uh, will result in incredible hardship for your whole life. That's true. Part of the understanding we have to have is that it's also worth it. Yes, the Christian life is hard. Yes, it may lead you to your death. But what Paul understood is that the Christian life leading me to my death is actually leading me to Christ and leading me to my eternity that He's promised me and His actual righteousness lived out in my life. So that's better for me. That's great. I shouldn't fear that. I shouldn't want to be lazy or worried about the unknown because the end is actually known. We're not sure about how this process of spiritual growth works out in our life, but we can be comfortable that at the end of it, I will be like Jesus. I will be what God intends for me to be. It's not too hard. Other people will look at the whole process and say, well, you can't be perfect, so why try? Well, there is that. (laughs) You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to achieve perfect sanctification in this life. It is a process. It's the process that God has instilled. It's a process that God guides, but it is a process. And you know, you don't reach perfection in this life. However, we are invited into the struggle and we meet God there. And I think that's important. The last one I'll mention, and there probably are a lot more. So feel free to to email me some other reasons why people are 
struggling with change. But the last one I'll mention is we just get busy. Uh, We're distracted by lesser things. They may be less important, but they're in our face. So we get busy with other things. And because we're busy with other things, we don't pursue God. We don't pursue Jesus. So let's summarize. Why don't we change? I think I can put all of those into three categories. Lack of motivation, lack of a plan, and poor priorities. I think that about covers it. (laughs) Did I miss anything? (laughs) That really seems to be where a lot of these come from. We're just not motivated. We're comfortable, lazy, scared. We're not quite committed to following Jesus. That's a lack of motivation. We're unsure about where to begin or where we're going to go. It seems hard, can't be perfect. All this is lack of a plan. We don't really understand what God's doing or how God's doing it, so we just don't start. And then poor priorities also relates to lack of motivation. So actually, maybe I could do this one too. Maybe it's just lack of motivation and lack of a plan. But poor priorities definitely uh, mean we put other things first. And anytime we put something else above pursuing God, we're probably going to struggle to some degree. So I think those three sum it up pretty good. How are you doing? Are you motivated? Do you, do you understand the plan that God has to change you? Do you understand the resources that He's given you? Do you understand the power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit? And how are your priorities? Do you really understand what is most important in this life? I think if we do, then we're going to be pursuing God. We're going to to be committing to following Jesus. Okay, now let's flip over a little bit and say, why is it important to resist the urge to go with the flow and to never apply efforts to intentional change? I have three that I'm going to mention today. The first one, the call of Jesus demands an intentional response. It is an invitation that demands a response, and you can't just not answering. Not answering is the response no. Think about Matthew 4, 18 to 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, "'Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men.'" They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now you see here, this intentional response is absolutely necessary. Jesus gave them an invitation, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They had to respond. They could just ignore him. Ignoring him would be the response, no, I'm not going to follow you. That call draws a line in the sand. Jesus' invitation to be his disciple draws a line in the sand. And you can't just say, well, I'm going to not respond right now, maybe later. Okay, well, that response is a no. But if you understand what he's calling you to, and you, you really want to be what he wants you to be, then your response has to be yes. And I love, I love the way that it's emphasized here. Verse 20 says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Then verse 22, 
It says in the end of verse 21, he called them, verse 22, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Immediately. That would be the appropriate response to any invitation that Jesus gives us. So when we look at a lot of the call, a lot of the invitation to follow him and the things that he invites us to do that will bring change in our life, that should be our response. We should immediately seek to apply those things, to live those things out. And I'll just share with you real quick. As you look at the New Testament, and I really encourage you, if you haven't done this, this is a great study. Go through the New Testament and look at every time it says something, something, one another. Look for every time it says one another and then see what we're supposed to do with one another. And this is primarily talking about the church. I think almost every time, if not every time in the New Testament, where it says one another, it's talking about the church and our church relationships. Well, look at those. The most often repeated one is love one another, but encourage one another, comfort one another, bear one another's burdens, teach one another. Think about each one of those. They're around 55, I think. Think about what it looks like to do that. In the relationships that you have with other believers, how do you live that out and try to do it? And as you try to do that, I think what you'll find is you'll change that immediate uh, response to say, hey, God, I am going to try. I'm going to intentionally make efforts to live this out. That changes you. When you have those relationships with other people, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's life-changing. So read those, study them, and immediately, meaning as soon as you have opportunity, live them out. Look for the opportunity to do the things that, that God says, particularly as we look to the New Testament and see these fairly simple commands. There's not a lot of, of difficult things well, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. Some of these are incredibly difficult to do. They're not hard to understand. <laughs> they're hard to do, but the, it's not that they're hard to understand. When, when the Bible says, um, comfort one another, okay, that's not a complicated phrase. The English is easy. The, the context, we understand it's the church, and it's with one another, and you have difficulties, and you're, it's not a complicated concept. What's difficult is living that out with other people. When you try to do that, when you're making intentional efforts to live that out, God changes you. So the call of Jesus demands an intentional response. Number two, no one knows how long they have before their life is over. Uh, this is repeated multiple, multiple times in the New Testament, but Matthew 24, 35, and 36 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You don't know how much time you have. And this is true whether you think about the day that we'll stand before God at the end of our life, uh, at the, the resurrection, or you may die in a, an accident tomorrow and have no more time to intentionally pursue Jesus in this life. You don't know how much time you have. Therefore, how should you live? If you know that this life has an end and you don't know when that end is, but that one day all the things that, that you're thinking about, that you want to accomplish, that you want to do, you will no longer have that opportunity. Well, that's when your priorities lived out will make a difference. It's one reason why we continually talk about 
having good priorities, thinking about our priorities, trying to live out our priorities, because one day you will no longer have a chance to reorganize. It's important to live your life now and allow your priorities to guide you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have been saved and you understand that this life is temporary, that God is preparing us for eternity, that that message of salvation is now is the time to be getting that out, that as Paul said, we are ambassadors for Christ. We've been invited to be part of this great work of reconciliation. Now is the time to be involved. Now is the time to be doing that. If that's your priority, how do you live? Well, we often, if you look at our lives and you look at the way that we live, you can see on the calendar and you can see in our budgeting and the way we spend our our money and all of our resources that we spend most of our time and most of our energy and most of our finances on other things that are not eternal. And ultimately, we'll recognize that that was failed priorities. Well, and the third one, we will all answer for how we lived our lives. So how do we live out those priorities? 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 11, I believe, says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. So here we have this reminder that, verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The way that we live, good and bad, will be judged. And I don't know about you, I don't want to stand before God at that time and have to go through all of my life and all of my choices and realize that, man, I just chose other things time after time after time. Even though I know that I do that, I want to fight that. It's one reason why I want to be intentional. I want to learn to have that self-discipline and self-control to deny myself, as Jesus asked me to and invited me to, deny myself and take up my cross and follow Him. Ultimately, when I do that, when I deny myself, take up my cross and follow Him, what I'm going to be doing is building up those rewards that are not going to be burnt up at that time. They're not going to be the wood, hay, and stubble, but it's going to be those precious jewels that I can lay at the feet of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for how we lived. I mean, that's, that's enough motivation for me to want to live an intentional life and pursue Change. Life requires change. I want to be like Jesus. I'm going to have to change to be like Jesus. Change is hard. Got it. (laughs) Absolutely understand. But change is necessary. Do you find yourself fighting change or embracing it? Maybe sometimes a bit of both. Well, continue to intentionally choose the things that draw you toward Him. Thanks for joining me today. If you have thoughts or questions about your spiritual life and the change that you're making, write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. I'd love to hear from you. Keep looking for the change that God is working in your life. Don't run away from it, but embrace it and make firm choices to welcome the change that He is doing. And find a friend and encourage them to keep 
on the journey with you. You know, we're in this together. We're not in it alone. It's very difficult to change by yourself with no one else, but it's much easier to make that change and journey with a friend. Keep running.